You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. We need an angel and we need an Elisha. Who would like to be an angel? Okay, you're in. This is the angel's outfit. You can sit in the front row if you want until you're called in. And then, second part of the angel, apart from where the outfit, you're going to give that to someone soon, okay? So you can sit. Also, we need an Elisha. Elisha's going to be, oh, so enthusiastic. Elisha's going to be carrying, like, carrying a massive machine on them and pretending like they're helping all the oxen plough the fields, okay? So you kind of got to pretend that it's hard work, all right? So you can sit there until I call you up. You're right at the end of the story, but it's a pretty important role. We're doing biblical storytelling tonight. Biblical storytelling is um, when I'm going to tell a story of the Bible and we've got five questions. We might go to them now. And I'm going to be asking you guys to think about these five questions. Thanks. We'll go to that screen. So the five questions are, what did you like about this story? What questions might people have? What do we learn about people? What do we learn about God? What are you going to do this week in response to this story? Who could you tell this story to? Okay, heads up, sneak preview. They're the questions that are going to be asked. I'm going to begin with prayer and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, your word is alive and active. Even though this is a story of thousands of years ago, we pray that you would show us how it's relevant to us today and that we could enjoy tonight at church as we go. Soften our hearts, Lord, to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I, unlike Tim, did not learn the whole chapter. I've got creative in how I'm going to tell this story. So a little bit of context, if you haven't been here the previous two weeks. Elijah is a prophet of the Old Testament, anointed by God to challenge the ungodliness that's going on. King Ahab is there, and uh, Jezebel's there as well. And basically some highlights of the last two weeks, you might remember some miraculous highlights, like the ravens bringing him some food when he fled to the river. You might remember him knocking on the widow's door and saying, what have you got to eat? Feed me. The widow's like, I've got nothing but oil and flour. And he's like, go make some food for me out of the food you've got. And child died, rose back to life. Then last week, you might remember the fire, non-fire action between the prophets on Mount Carmel and Elijah. Elijah was so sure God was going to prove himself as the one true God. He poured lots of water on the wood. There was a moat around it and still it lit a light, proving that God was God. What happened after then? He got really exhausted. Basically, God told him, slaughter all the prophets of Baal, the other God, the local God, and tell the king that the whole of rain is coming for the king to get on the chariot and to go as fast as he can. Meanwhile, Elijah tucks his coat in his little um, belt and runs even faster than the chariot uh, and did a half marathon. Elijah's now really burnt out physically, emotionally, and this is where the story begins. So that's just like the sneak preview. Okay, let's begin. It's quite a long story, so if you want to kind of like rest less, like relax in and listen with your eyes shut, you can just sort of, you know, settle in, get ready for a good story. Now, King Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger 
to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, (coughs) if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush. Any curious botanist, what is a broom brush? I researched it. It's a little bit like a juniper bush. He came to a broom brush. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Lord, I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Do you want to say that? Okay, put the food on the ground and just stand by the side there. Good work, angel. Food and water and then you can stand over there. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said the same thing. Get up and eat. And also, for the journey is too much for you. Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Oh, fantastic. So he got up and ate and drank. Thank you. Good job. You can go back there now. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing, Elijah? I've been zealous for the Lord. And the Israelites, though, they've torn down all the altars, they've rejected the covenant, and they've put to death all your prophets by the sword. Elijah also said, I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Afterwards, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty, but the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down the altars and they've killed the prophets by the sword, and now I'm the only one left, and they're going to kill me. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. 
when you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimishi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Maloah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down, bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. And Elisha was working back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. He was ploughing the 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak over him. Elisha then followed Elijah. And Elijah said, oh, so and Elisha said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll come with you. Go back. Oh, what have I done to you? So Elijah came back. Come with me, come with me. Elijah came back. And he took all the materials off his back and he made a fire with it. Well, not with the cloak, but with all the oxen. And he made a fire of it. And then he killed all the oxen and he put it on the fire to make a big barbecue. And then he gave that meat to all of his friends. Yeah, 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 good strategy. Yeah, catch that meat, guys, catch it. And then he goes and follows Elijah and becomes his servant. You can see why I didn't memorize that chapter, right? <laughs> There's a lot to it. Good work, particularly Elisha and Elijah and the angel. Nice work. First two questions of this story, I want you to discuss in groups of two or three around you. What did you like about this story and what questions might you or others have? I'll give you a few, like a minute or two for that. Okay, we might draw it back in. There's a few other questions to go. Based on those initial, <coughs> excuse me, and brief, brief chats, what did you like about this story? Yell it out. How about these groups over here? What did you like about the story? Yeah, he's the underdog. He's, he's having a tough time. It's like, yep. Any others? What did you like about the story? Totally, and water out of the blue, just and more when he was still hungry. Absolutely, he knew his needs. What questions might ha people have about this story? Yep. How did the angel find him? How did the angel know where Elijah was hiding? A lot of questions from this group, yeah. Oh, we're quite curious about the bread. Yeah, how did, how, where did it come from? <laughs> Those are good questions. <laughs> why did Elisha kill? He didn't have to, but why did he? Yeah, and, and Kirk? Yeah, Elisha wanted to go say goodbye to mum and dad. Elijah's like, yeah, okay, rather than no, leave it. And Elisha, almost in a youthful zeal, is like, I'll show you how determined I am to follow you. I'm going to burn the very things that I used to be doing. There's no way I can turn back now. 
I don't know that we're going to tell the whole story again. It was a pretty long story. I think we might just go on to question three. Put your hands up if you'd really like to hear it again. Okay, we're not going to say it again. So you've got the gist of what it was about. What do we learn in those same groups? What do we learn about people? What do we learn about people? Let's start there. Let's wrap that back in. Whenever we're doing Bible studies, you can look at each different character and ask yourself about what, what that character says, what questions you might have. Who, who would like to go first? What, what did you learn about people? Who did people think about in this discussion? What about one of these groups? Yeah. Has anyone, does anyone get hangry? Elijah was a hangry, like hungry and angry. His sugar levels were low. He'd just run a marathon. He'd just slaughtered a whole lot of prophets. He'd just seen the miracles of God, the the prophets that worship Baal, I should say, but nonetheless, he'd just been running. He'd seen these these phenomenal things. He was pretty traumatised, I would imagine. Just waiting, focus back for a sec. He was pretty traumatised. And the first thing God does is, you need to eat, you need to drink, then have a sleep. Wake up, again, you need to eat, you need to drink, rest. Like it wasn't, let's talk about stuff, it's like, look after your physical needs, buddy, you're so hungry, you're so tired. Good one. He was alone, he was isolated. He told God twice, you know, and God's like, yeah, I'm all alone, there's no one else. He was feeling totally weary emotionally and physically. Good one. I'm sure some of us can relate. And even at the end, we can see Elisha's like, let me follow you. And he's like, oh, go back. What have I done? Like, what am I doing to your life? Stay on the fields. You don't want this sort of life. If I were Elijah's supervisor, I'd probably say to him, Elijah, are you nearing burnout? Like, are you suicidal right now? You're you're, you're pleading to God that you'd rather be dead. He's, He's... He's spent. What other, what other things did people learn about people? Wow, good insight from that group. Yeah. Some people, did everyone hear that? Say it again. Some, some people would do everything to follow God. Some people would do everything to stop God. So we've got stopping God. We've got Jezebel there. <clears throat> Rather than being intimidated that all of her prophets have just been slaughtered, instead she says, tell that man that I will kill him tomorrow if I find him. He's, she's doing everything she can to stop the plans of God. And yet we have two others, the prophets, that are leaving everything behind. Elisha, the, I sort of think of him as a young adult. Maybe he wasn't, but it's like, yeah, I'll get get on I want to be with Elijah I want to follow this I want to be where God's at and Elijah's like go back do what you're doing trust me it's an easier life and I'll show you what I think I'm gonna I'm gonna burn that stuff there's no way I can turn back I'm where you are and we see him in his faith following Elijah and doing even greater things down the track did anyone think about any of the other people in the story One of the questions I had when I read this story is why the Mount Horeb? What's about, 
I just get curious about geography. What about Mount Horeb? And I did a bit of research. Most scholars say Mount Horeb is the same mountain as Mount Sinai, just a different part of the same mountain. And so if we think of it like that, we see that Elijah ran 40 days to the mountain to be on the mountain that Moses received the Ten Commandments from. And there he was, where Moses was told, take your shoes off, this is holy ground. He came to that place. And it just adds a little bit of a different context, because here's the place, same place, that the covenant was given to the people of Israel. And now Elijah's standing there going, your people have broke that covenant. And twice God says to him, we might actually, I'm not going to, I'll give you a clue. Twice God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Twice he asks the same question. He knows. He's seen it. Why did he ask that question? So with that, we might move on to the next one. What do we learn about Jesus or God? Number four. What do we learn about God? The angels. What are you doing here, Elijah? The still, small voice. These are the types of things we've heard about God in this story. So have a discussion again. What did you learn about God? I'll give you about two minutes. Here's some great discussions going on and I encourage you to do, do discuss this afterwards if you want to continue on or do go and read 1 Kings 19 and take it in a, a little bit more depth. Some things I reflected on when I learnt, when I thought about what do I learn about God. He, he knew his needs. He's a God that cares about the physical. He knew he was hungry. He could have just touched him and strengthened him but he's like, you need food, you need water. You're a human, you've got limitations, and he cared for his needs. He knew exactly where Elijah was and what he needed. And first off, it was physical concern for him. Um, God also knew about those 7,000 people. 7,000, like Elijah's like, I'm all alone, there's no one with me, I'm the last one. And God said, actually, there's 7,000 others that you don't know of that have also chosen not to worship the local gods. I often get curious, what, what are those people's stories? God knew his need for fellowship. He knew his need to not be alone. God honoured Elijah's wish. He's like, okay, you're spent, you've had enough, you want to quit life, you want to quit ministry, I will raise up Elisha. I'll anoint another prophet. There's still going to be a bit of time that you're going to have to teach him some things, but I've developed a succession plan. I'm hearing the prayer of your heart. <coughs> And finally, when we think about God, God didn't answer in the thunder. He didn't answer in the lightning. He didn't answer or speak through the earthquake. But it's interesting that on that same location with Moses, he did speak through fire. In fact, the week before, not the week before, the chapter before, last week we looked at it, he did speak through fire. Why didn't he speak through fire this time? Why didn't he speak through earthquakes? Why didn't he speak through the tremendous things that he often does? My best guess is he knew Elijah's needs. Elijah had just seen these phenomenal things. He had a death threat on him. He'd slaughtered a whole lot of soldiers or prophets of Baal. And if, he, if God had said, Elijah, here I am! Like, oh gosh, I can't handle anymore. I've been traumatised. I'm a shaky God knew his needs and said, Elijah, where are, you, where are you? What are you doing here? 
It was a still and gentle voice, knowing that that was what was needed to reach him where he was at. What are you doing here? He knew why he'd fled. He knew the story. What are you doing here? Speaks of, what are you doing here in this emotional status? Have you forgotten who you are? Have you forgotten who I am? Have you forgotten what I've promised you and the people that follow me? What does God say then? And I don't know, like I don't know the tone of voice, I don't know that mind of God for this, but it's my musing around it. And finally, what does God say to him? God says, go back the way you've come. Oh yeah, that's fine for you to say, God. Jezebel wants to kill me and she's back there. No way. But God's like, face your fear. Go back the way you've come. Go and face those things and see how I've gone before you and I've prepared a way for you in that space. I think it would have been terrifying for Elijah to have to go back to the very things that he was running from. Yet in that space, God had prepared a new thing for him. Finally, what are you going to do this week in response to this story? I'm going to pause for about 30 seconds, give some suggestions, and then we'll finish up. What are you going to do this week in response to this story? This is something for you to think about yourself. A couple of ideas. For some, it might mean I'm going to eat. Eating is important, and I'm going to eat well because my body needs nourishment. Actually, I related most to having a good sleep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plan to have a good sleep this week. And we chuckle, right? But when you're without sleep and you haven't been eating well, you know it, you feel it. Maybe the application is I'm going to eat and sleep well this week. I'm going to have a Sabbath. I'm going to plan some rest. Do we seek God in the mighty revivals and the massive signs or do we seek him in his still small voice? And I would say both. There's examples of both. But from this story, why don't you make 10 minutes this week to just listen to the still small voice of God? What are you telling me today, God? And finally... Fellowship matters. People matter. If Elijah's feeling lonely and he's walking so closely with God and seeing these powerful things and yet still he's feeling weary and isolated, how much more do we need to be around each other to spur each other on in our faith? We've got life groups that happen weekly. We've got youth groups. We've got numbers of ways to connect and be intentional in doing this Christian life together. I'll leave the one up to you. Who would you tell this story to this week? Given it's a long one, it might be go and read it again and just (laughs) take it in before telling it to others. Let me finish in prayer. Heavenly Father, you see us, you care for us, you know our physical needs, you know our emotional needs, and you're a God who meets us where we're at. I pray this week that indeed we would take that little step closer to knowing you. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in whichever way reaches us and melts our heart, cuts between our minds and our intellectual arguments. God, would you meet us where we're at and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, Send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. 